Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Today, we are here with Rob Gardner of the Savory Fund. And this is going to be a great conversation because the Savory Fund, for everyone that knows, is taking off. You guys are doing some cool things. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Good it's to good have to, you here it's today, good, It's Rob. good to be here. Yeah, a lot, a lot going on. Yeah, so fun. What? Tell us your role at Savory Fund specifically for the audience, and then a little bit more, maybe a 30-second elevator pitch about what, what you're doing. About Savory, Savory and what we're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, so I'm on the investment team at Savory. Um, so Savory Fund is a restaurant operations group um, that is structured like a private equity fund. And, and I say it that way because um, at our core, we're a restaurant operations group. And, and that's really kind of where we started and that's who we are. Um, and at, at our core, we partner with high potential emerging restaurant brands and help them scale. And that's probably the, there's a whole lot, we can dig into a whole lot more on exactly what we do, but that's kind of the core of what we do is we, uh, we help these brands that have, um, say, five, six, seven units um, scale to 30, 40, 50 units across state lines, really build sort of a, uh, a scalable model that can then go and, and do even better things. But we help them kind of cross that chasm that's there. So so cool. And some of those brands are? Yeah, so uh, some of those brands are here in Utah that um, I think a lot of people probably are familiar with. Swig, yeah. um, Movetas, R&R Barbecue. You know, it's kind of the three original brands that we got started with, um, great brands. We added um, some brands out of state uh, via 313 Pizza, which is now here. Uh, there's a couple locations here in Utah, but that's out of Austin, Texas. Detroit Style Pizza. Uh, do you know what uh, Detroit Style Pizza is? Um, kind of the throwback to the auto auto worker days in Detroit where they would take those uh, steel auto pans um, and they'd make rectangular pizza with cheese around the, the corner so it crisps up and gets those <laughs> crunchy edges. It's amazing. <laughs> Fan, if you haven't been to Vio Three, been on three you, 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 need, you need to go. That's it's, cool. It's Isn't the sauce on top? And they do this, and they do kind of reverse. So they they, they cook up the bread, uh, kind of a focaccia bread, a little light and airy, but really really good. Put the cheese on top, and then they ladle the sauce over the top when it's done. Um, but they do all kinds of different flavors, and the the brothers that founded that are amazing. And I love all our founders are just awesome, and hearing their stories is so cool. Um, but we've got that. And then crack shack is, um, the chicken concept out of, out of San Diego. So, um, so good. that's our, that's kind of our, that's fund one. That's kind of our first five brands that we got involved with. Okay. And then, um, on our second fund, uh, we started with a brand called Pincho out of Miami, um, a Latin burgers and kebabs, um, kind of a, a fusion there, but a fantastic brand that we're bringing a little further West. I don't know that we'll bring them to Utah, at least not right away, but we're bringing them to Houston and other areas. Um, and then Hash Kitchen, which is a, uh, a brunch concept that'll be in Draper here probably at the end of this year. Um, so look for that. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. That brand's killer. Uh, kind of a party that you go and, and have great breakfast. Um, uh, you know, all the bells and whistles. It's amazing. Um, we should have had the podcast at one of these places. I, is what I you know. <laughs> uh, we should, right the crack. I should have brought, so brought, brought some Via Pizza for you. That would have been, <laughs> been good. Um, and then Sicilian Butcher is an Italian concept that we love. Um, charcuterie boards and, and fresh made pasta in store. It's awesome. Um, and then we did an investment in a company called Eighty Six Repairs, which is a um, a techno- kind of a technology assisted repairs company. So they help. Uh, retail brands like restaurants, which is why we got involved because we know that space so well, um, kind of facilitate their repairs. 
um, which is, is working out really well. And then we have a, a brand out of Houston called Saigon Hustle, which is a Vietnamese fast, uh, fast food concept. So, um, so other than the repairs franchise, they're all food. Is that so right? it's, it's all, yeah, it's all food. We, we, everything we do is food. Even repairs um, is. It's primarily restaurants, like actual brick and mortar restaurants. Sure. Um, we do some tech restaurant investments, which is 86 repairs okay, that's on, the, on okay. occasion. So that's where the restaurant Because we just know that space in. so well. Okay. Uh, we know anything that touches restaurants or retail, we, have a, we use it in our restaurants. So it's, uh, it's, it makes a lot of sense for us to do that. Got it. But primarily we look at brick and mortar restaurants that serve food um, and then we help them scale. Got it. So when you're yeah. looking at making an investment with a new restaurant, uh, what do you look for in a founder? Yeah, and, it's, and I'm glad you asked it that way because a lot of people say, what do you look for in a restaurant? And the first thing we say is it, the founder. Uh, because look, the way we do our investments is we partner with the founder. We don't come in and buy 100%. Um, there, are, there are people that do that. Um, but we want what the founder brings to the table. Their, their blood, sweat, and tears, their culture. Uh, you know, they, they bring things to the brand that we just can't. Um, you know, they've, start, they've started this out of wherever they started it. It's their recipes. It's their ideas. It's everything they've brought to the table. We don't want to lose that. Um, especially when it's young. As it gets bigger and the founder needs to retire and move on, certainly they're going to be able to do that. But the culture has been instilled enough that they can move forward at that point. Um, but yeah, we look for a founder that we can, we, we, that we can work with. Somebody that's got, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's the no jerk policy. If they're jerks um, and, and, and they think we're jerks, it's not going to work. So we, mm -hmm. we find somebody that we can work with, get along with. We don't have to agree on everything. But when we have a disagreement, we have to be able to come together and say, look, what's best for the business and best idea wins. Uh, that's what we say all the time is the best idea wins. So we look for people that we can work with that have high integrity, um, mm -hmm. good culture, um, and that are pleasant to be around. We're going to spend a lot of time with them. And if we're not happy about it and we don't, you know, we don't like each other, it's nobody wants to do that. We saw a lot of that with Nicole Tanner on the show just a few weeks ago, a swig. I mean, she embodies that exact philosophy right there. She's so great and fun and, and loves the culture and propels the culture forward and keeps it consistent and yeah, great fit. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. And Nicole's a fantastic example, just a great person. Um, and I mean, she is swig, everything she brings to the table. And we've had such a great time working with her um, that, yeah, I mean, she's a perfect example of that. And yeah, she was on just a few weeks ago. So yeah, it's good for her. She also had consistent, she had a consistent message about, the partnership with Savory and how uh, you guys have allowed her to continue to operate the way that she was before. So, yeah. and just the essentially putting gasoline on the fire, helping her grow faster than she could on her own. Yeah, for sure. I mean, cause you, you think about it, most of the people that we get involved with, most of the founders like Nicole, she was wearing 15 different hats. Mm -hmm. She was doing everything. I mean, she had some people helping, right? They had, they had employees and they had some people that were doing certain things. But most of the brands that we get involved with, they're smaller. They're, hype, they're, they're emerging brands. And it's where we want to be. That's what we want to go for. But that comes with certain challenges, which is they're wearing a lot of hats. They're doing a lot of different things. They don't have the team around them. Um, and so it allows us to come in and really take off some of that pressure and say, um, you know, look, what are you good at and what do you want to do? Cause a lot of times they're not good at payroll tax, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> Nobody wants to do it. I mean, there are, you know, there's a few weird people out there that like doing that and hey, good. I'm, I'm, I'm great. Come on, man. I am too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can say Jake that I'm a reformed us. CPA, so I can say that, uh, I, you know, I was there once. Um, but we come in and say, look, what are the two or three things you're really good at and that you want to do? And usually a founder says something like, um, I want to be involved in, I want to make sure the food's on point. 
And I want to make sure that the culture is great. And I want to make sure the employees know what we stand for at this brand. And I want to come to the new store openings and I want to spread the, you know, I want to evangelize this brand because it's my brand. And we're like, great, that's what you should do. Um, you know, let us help with the finance and accounting and let us help with the marketing and the real estate construction and development and all the nuts and bolts that go into growing a brand. Um, that's stuff we can help with and let them focus on what they're really good at as opposed to trying to do 10 different things because that's where most brands have a problem is that they get to five or six units and then they really need to start growing a little further out of state or they need to grow to a different spot or they need to, you know, things come up. And that's just usually beyond the tool belt of a, of a founder because they just don't, they just haven't been there and done that before. Mm -hmm. And we've done it enough now that we have that experience and we have that team. Uh, and it's really what makes us different because you can get money in a lot of different places. I mean, you, you guys, you know, you can, you can go find money anywhere. There's people that will write you a check tomorrow and just cause they want to try it. Uh, but most people don't need money or not just money. They need the other legs expertise. of that stool. They, they need the expertise. The they need the people. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we bring to the table. In addition to the cash, we can, we can fund your business and we can help with that, but we bring the people too. Well said. We, yeah. we feel the same way at Rev Road where it's not always, in fact, rarely is it about just writing a check. It's what does what what do you do with that check, and how do you make it go the furthest possible? And the team behind you that's going to help you educate on how to grow your business. Yeah. So that's cool, and yeah. I guess that's your secret sauce at Savory, right? Is yeah, you, I, you have the back end team to do that with all I, the restaurants. I th I think so. I mean, we've got sixty to seventy people that are can do all of the operations of a yeah. restaurant, and the idea is we bring a restaurant in, uh, a brand in, we plug it into our team. It allows them to kind of punch above their weight class, so to speak. Um, and be able to do things they wouldn't normally do. And then as that brand grows, then we layer people onto the management team of that specific brand and kind of wean off of what Savory offers. We're still always there. We still provide services. We still always do whatever we need to do. But it allows them to then grow into the leadership roles that they need. Because when you've got uh, five units, you, mm -hmm. you, you don't have a you can't afford a marketing person and an HR person and a CFO and a, you know all these things. And so you know, plug in and use what we have and then when you get to 10 units, you can hire a marketing person. And when you get to 15, you can hire a finance person and, you know, up the ladder You're alone, until man. they're ready to go. They're standalone. They don't need yeah. us anymore at some point. And that's where we pass it on to the next party and say, you know, you go from 40 units to 200 units or you go franchise or do what you want to do with the brand. But this is what we've, this is the niche we've carved out and it, it works pretty well. What's the, what's the biggest downfall or mistake that you see early restaurant owners making? Oh, um, so I think one of them is we see is they try and franchise really, really early and they don't have operations figured out yet. Um, franchising is very sexy because it's a way to grow really fast and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but if you can't tell your franchisees how to run their stores the right way and you don't have a model together, that's one thing we see sometimes is that people try and go a little too fast in that regard. Um, so they've got to know how to really run good stores before they go out and go too fast with that. Um, they also try and get out, uh, they try and grow for the sake of growth. They open stores and locations that they just want to get stores open. So they go take whatever's available and you open a bad site. There's nothing worse than opening a bad store, uh, really, because, uh, all the money and the time and the energy that goes into that. So we still like to go very fast, but we like to grow it at a sustainable rate. So, you know, not just say we're going to do 10 stores and whether or not, you know, come hell or high water, we're doing 10 stores. We say, well, let's do 10 stores and let's go find good stores and we'll make that work. But if we do eight or nine, because we had to pull a couple back because we weren't ready from a leadership standpoint, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we need to be aware of and be on top of. 
And we see a lot of people do that. They try and just go out, go out of state too fast and you don't have a leadership team to support that. And then all of a sudden you're traveling to, for, you know, from here to St. George, because you thought, I'm going to go open St. George. It's amazing. It's right here in Utah. Everybody knows it. You got to travel four hours to go do that. And you don't know how to hire somebody in St. George to manage that. You can't afford to hire somebody. So it's, it's, it's wearing the too many hats. That's the problem is you try and go too fast. Um, and you have to go really slow and measured unless you can plug into somebody like Savory. That's my, that's my pitch for Savory. So, you know, you can, you can plug into us and go a little faster than you normally could. That's how we like to think about it. Love it. Have you always done, uh, you know, investment funds and have you always been, you know, in this, in this industry, Rob, or have you done other things besides this? After the recovering CPA. Yeah, so yeah, right. it, it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so restaurants, um, you know, I never thought I'd be in restaurants. I don't know. That, I mean, I, very few people I think ever grow up and think I'm going to be in restaurants because that's kind of like your, some, your teenage job and you know that there's like professionals that do restaurants, but at least I didn't think that was like a real career path. I just didn't never thought of that. Um, so I started out in public accounting. Great. I loved it. Um, it, but after about three years and three busy seasons, I was like, you know what? I, I think there's maybe a different, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's something different we can do here. So tax I, season I, for I, me is over. Yeah. Tax season was, <laughs> it was, uh, I look, I crammed a lot of learning into those, those, uh, years, but, um, it was time to move on. So I went back to school and got an MBA and thought, let me switch gears a little bit. Um, came out of there and joined Sorensen Capital here, uh, which is a oh, private yeah. equity fund. Great. Yeah, yeah. Do, doing great things. And really, um, you know, what I loved, so I, I was doing that, um, jumped out from there and did some operational roles in a couple of companies around here that were, um, Goal Zero was one of them that does solar power, portable power products. Um, and then jumped to another um, startup and kind of scratched that operational itch that I had that I wanted to not just invest, but I wanted to be operational. Um, and was doing that for a while. Goal Zero was, I got there and it sold pretty quickly, had a great story and everything went great. Um, Bare Bones is a great company still, but not going as quickly as I wanted it to go. So I jumped back into the investing side of things with Savory Fund um, and, you know, love being able to bring that operational and investing lens to things um, because, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of people that are good at either. Um, not a lot of people that have both of those they can bring to the table. So that's what I love about it is, uh, I, you know, we make investment decisions every day, but we're also operating every single day. And I'm not in, you know, I'm not, I've washed dishes once or twice. I mean, I've done that before, um, but that's not, that's not what I do. And so um, I'm not in the stores doing things every single day, but from an operational standpoint, I'm supporting the brand leaders, the leadership team there, in addition to the investment uh uh, priorities and obligations I've got as well, if that makes sense. Well, it sounds like you have a really good background that's kind of primed you for this role specifically um, with the operations and the finance side. So that's that's really great. Um, yeah. You guys have made investments in a bunch of different companies. Uh, as you've made these investments and you've worked with these founders, what's the most challenging part for the founders as they kind of give up some of that control and you guys help them make changes. Yeah, it, it's 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 a really interesting question because that is one of the things we encounter more than anything else is that for however many years they've had this business, it's their business and this is their baby. I mean, there's very, you know, there's every every once in a while we find a brand that already has other investors or uh, you know, there's a situation where it's not just 100% owned, but usually these are small enough brands that it's the the founder's baby and it's their food from their mom, you know, it's their mom's spaghetti recipe type of a thing, you know, where they just, they put their heart and soul and their blood, sweat and tears into this. And so, 
Um, for them, you know, it, we get, we run the gamut. There's some that come in and say, I'm tapped out, man. I, I, I know I'm at my limit. I need some help. And that's great. Cause we go, that's exactly what we do. I mean, let's, let's go do this. Cause that's great. And that transitions fairly easy because we tell them, uh, you know, you're still involved and you're still on, you know, you're still very much uh, a part of this brand and you're still, we're expecting you to be involved in this brand a hundred percent. So, you know, don't just ride off into the sunset and say you did your job, like come with us. Um, but we get some for sure that, um, that it's really tough. Cause they say, you know, I've been the one making decisions this whole time. And, um, so the way we have it set up is we kind of have two different operational sides. We have our kind of traditional board operational side where we say, this is where we make the, the heavy duty decisions. Where are we going to grow? How much cash are we going to put on the balance sheet to be able to affect that growth? Um, uh, you know, who are we going to hire as CEO eventually to kind of take this brand to the next level or, you know, those type of high, high level decisions we make together as a team with the founder. Um, there's also another thing we call a brand board, which that's more controlled by the founder. So we say, look, you've got a, um, a you know, Mobetas, for example, we're not going to come in and turn you into a, a popsicle shop, you know, or, a, uh, we're not going to sell hot dogs. Cause, uh, you know, it's just, even if we think there's a great, financial reason to go do that. Of course, they're going to be like, no, 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 that's not what my brand is. Don't do that to my brand. That worries them. So we give them that control and say, look, we're not going to do anything that you don't approve of when it comes to that. When it comes to certain other things, uh, you know, you've got to be okay knowing that we know what we're doing. We're going to work with you. We're not going to come in and tell you what to do, but we're going to work together, but be open to what may need to happen for this brand to really grow. And that's where it goes back to the first question you asked, which is um, what kind of founders do you do you like to partner with? We like to partner with founders that get that and that they push back on us and they tell us, uh, no, that's not okay, or I don't like that. But if they have a good reason, let's talk about it. If mm -hmm. it's just an emotional response, because you know I've always done it this way and I don't know if I wanna do it that way, um, you know, we if we can show that, look, we've done this before, trust us, this is gonna work, we can work to that and get to that point. Um, you know, and if they come and say, look, this won't work. Let me tell you why there's been times where that's happened. And we've said, okay, you're right. Sorry. You know, we won't do it that way. We get it. That's not going to work. What, what happens, um, Rob, this is always fascinating to me because, you know, at Rev Road, we're also in the portfolio company business, kind of similar to what you're doing in, in a way, right? What happens when, when a brand or, um, you know, a certain set of restaurants, a chain is not, growing like you thought it would or should, or what do you do then? Like, what is your plan of attack? Yeah. Um, that's also an interesting question. Uh, look, we're, we're fortunate in that the way that we invest is we invest in highly profitable cash flowing businesses. I mean, we're not a turnaround shop. We can do that, but that's not really what we're good at. I mean, that's not what we do. So we find brands that have strong economics, strong revenues, strong profitability, so, you know, if we come in and we start to grow and let's say we have to push the pause button because we opened a couple stores, we're not sure what's going on, but they didn't open like we thought. We went outside of the heritage market, let's say, and it was a little slower than we wanted to. We have the ability to pause and perfect so we can push the pause button and say, we're going to figure out what's going on and, and then we're going we're gonna to get back involved once we know, you know, we're going to hit put gasoline back on that fire once it's ready for the gasoline and until then we can you know with with a, a traditional it's what i love about what we do with a traditional tech brand or a um you know any other kind of traditional venture or even private equity company they're they're consuming cash and so you can't push pause too long to say we got to figure something out because they're burning cash all the time and so but we have the ability to do that which makes us special and unique so uh so but back to your question um so 
if things aren't working out, we can push the pause button and we get the team involved and we say, let's figure out what's going on. Let's really dive into the data. Let's understand why things haven't been working the way we want and let's turn it around. Um, and then we can continue to go from there. Um, so we, we don't really run into situations and I don't know if this is where you were getting, but, um, we don't really run into situations where we have to, you know, it's not a, we're writing off a, a business, like we're shutting this thing down. It's on fire. It's a problem. So we don't really run into that because these are such good businesses that when they do stumble a little bit or have issues they need to work through, it's, it's them coming down in profitability from here to here, you know, coming down a little bit. Uh, it's a problem we want to work through because we believe it can be profitable at this level and we want it to get back there. Um, but we don't have to, you know, we're not pressured by banks saying, you know, you've got debt on this or investors that are saying, you know, I, I, you know, whatever it might be, we don't have that kind of pressure from the outside. So we can look at it a little bit more um, holistically and, 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 you know, do what we need to do with the brand in our own timeline. Um, but it's working with the founder, working with the management team we have to find out what are the problems we're seeing and how are we going to fix those? Um, we've seen enough now that we know a lot of the tricks of the trade and, um, you know, when we're getting involved at the brand, at the level that we're getting involved, um, a lot of the risk has been scrubbed off. These aren't startup restaurants. So it's not like we got into something that was, it was on this one corner over here. And that was the only reason anybody liked it is because it was, on corner of Maine and state or whatever. And it was like, that was the perfect spot, but you go anywhere else, it's not going to work. We get involved when they have three, four, five, six, 10, 12 units. So we've seen it in different situations, different geographic locations, um, different cities potentially. Um, and we have a pretty good idea it's going to work. So I won't say we never run into that. And I apologize. This is a run on, um, answer to that question, Great. but, yeah. um, but yeah, we, it's not that we don't run into that stuff, but you know, it's, uh, it's less than I think other funds would maybe run into. And when we do, um, you know, there's a, there's a prescribed path to work towards fixing that. Your track record is awesome. So yeah, I mean, it's, and, and that's a credit to our, to our brands really. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, hopefully we've been helpful, um, and we do try and help, but we pick really good brands. Um, you know, we don't partner with, we partner with elite level brands. Um, and that means that it gives us the ability to, to have those moments of pause and perfect if we need them and not have a, a problem on our hands because we bought something that was so-so. We buy, you know, we, we partner with people that are amazing and their brands are amazing. And, you know, it, trying to find those can be tricky sometimes because they're not, they're not done, not a dime a dozen, but um, we've been able to find some good partners so far. Cool. Yeah. So I spent uh, a decade working as a, uh, working for the city of Vineyard and I always go to the retail trade show down in Vegas. And uh, with like re restaurants, I think are probably this way, but with hotels and grocery stores, they put so much effort into like site selection. Or how important is a location for a restaurant? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it on the head. It, it is, everything you've heard about real estate is true. I mean, it's location, um, location, and location, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's the whole thing. Um, it's very important. We, uh, we have a team that it, we have a development team that they do the real estate. Um, you know, we partner with brokers as well, but we have people that are looking for the best sites. We use demographics. So we know what our current stores are doing in the certain spots they're in. And we take that data and say, what kind of customer do we have? And, um, you know, where does that project to other places that you want? We might see a similar customer so that we know we have a better chance of doing well. Um, uh, but we use all the tools and, um, 
you know, we've we've opened sites before um, where, you know, for example, we opened a Malbetas in, in Boise in the Meridian area. Uh, it didn't have great visibility from the street. It's a good location in that it's right on, a, it's on Eagle Road on a main street there, but no great visibility. And it opened a little softer than I think we had anticipated. It's now doing really, really well because people, it's had time to take and Mobetas is amazing. So if you eat that once, you're like, I'm going to go back again. Mm, so like crack. It, it took some time. Um, so we also try and find brands that are good enough that even if we miss on the real estate slightly, we know it's going to grow because word of mouth will come. But uh, I mean, it's always better for us to find great sites. And there's a combination of demographics, data, uh, partners, and uh, you know, trying to figure out how we can get traffic patterns, traffic flow, the whole nine yards. We use all of it. Uh, and it, it's a big, it's a big part of what we do. Cause that's really, I mean, we, you talk about buying into a brand with five u- units, for example, we're going to get it to 30 units before we are ready to pass it on. That's 25 out of the 30 units. I mean, that's a high percentage that's organic growth. That's dependent on real estate. Um, you know, so we're putting a small check to work comparatively, and we're talking about five units. Most of our units are going to be units we put in the ground that we have to find good sites. So we're, we're dependent on that for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Every time I'd be down there, there's those companies that exist just to provide that like data to oh, yeah. the the brands and the companies that are looking at different sites. And we use some of them, and they're and it's frothy because there's, there's you know everybody's got a new a new formula algorithm that gets you know tells you exactly you know where to go and what to do. But um, it's it's helpful to have that. But a lot of it is um, it's still it's art and science. There's science that we use, data, demographics, all that, companies. Um, but you still have to kind of go there and take, and usually it's our real estate team, it's our founder, some of our, um, the brand management team. They get down on site and they actually look at it. Every, I mean, they get on the corner or on the, the site and they they look at it and they, you know, they walk the site and they watch the traffic flow and they drive the area to understand. I mean, they, they do all of that because a lot of times at the end of the day, they get there and say, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't matter what the data says. This doesn't yeah. feel right. And they, they go down that road. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all that, but I would also drive 35 miles just to eat a sandwich at the crack shack. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I, I agree. Their chicken sandwiches are so good. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is that we, you know, we feel like our brands are good enough that we can put them in B sites instead of A sites and they'll still do okay. It just may take some time to ramp to that level because people got to, you know, they don't drive by it without knowing it's there. They've got to go find it. Once they eat it, they go, oh, man, this is amazing. Like once you eat via three on three pizza, I promise you'll go back like all the time. Crack Shack. Crack Shack's the exact Sandwiches are amazing. It's like a horrible, Um, you have to drive through the car wash to get there. Yeah. Horrible location. It's got good visibility for my 15, but. Great great visibility. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, Rob, this is super interesting. I. I mean, I'm sure in the restaurant business, there's crises and there's moments of hair on fire or oven on fire or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. Tell us a story that would blow the audience's mind on some crazy thing that's happened that no one would believe. <laughs> uh, we love these kind of stories. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I mean, look, this is a cheap and easy one, but COVID kicked our butts. I mean, it I was, it, I mean, you know, you talk about Scary. retail, people coming in. I mean, it it hit the restaurant industry as hard as anything. But can I say something? Cause I, I did see, um, and Andrew and Shauna, huge shout out to the founders there. Yep. They're, they're incredible. You work with them. I'm yep. sure on a day to day basis. Amazing. I feel like I saw something when COVID first came out where they, they came out proactively and had a plan to keep the restaurants at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember exact. I don't remember all the details. You'll probably tell us yeah. about that, but it was really impressive how they did it. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what happened is, you know, COVID hit. Um, and I think that first week, literally our business almost dried up. It just completely went away because everybody, you, you remember, everybody was figuring out, am I allowed to go out of my house? Am I allowed? Like, I don't even know what the rules are. Is and this a week? To, is this a month? Yeah. Or? No idea. No yeah. idea what was going to happen. Um, so that first week, you know, our, our thing is um, a lot of people went and worked from home. I, we haven't worked from home literally since there was not one day during COVID that we worked from home. So, I mean, March, 2020, when it started, we've been in the office every single day. We, you know, we were washing our hands and we were, you know, wearing masks where appropriate and doing all those things. But you almost have to, cause you almost have to be there and make sure. But like we happening. were saying, look, our employees are in the restaurants. They don't get to work from home. Mm -hmm. Right. That's I mean, why. our okay. GMs are in the stores every day. They don't get to work from home. So we're going to be here to support them. Um, and it doesn't mean that we didn't have some cases where some people worked from home a little bit where they could. But for the most part, we were there. We had a war room. We got in our, our, our we called it a war room. And we said, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to figure this out? So if you have a drive-through, it was great. Swig did amazing during COVID. Right. I, like, amazing. <laughs> it, it, it did. I mean, it went up, I think, 30 or 40%. That's crazy. During COVID, um, which blows your mind. Um, but we had brands like Mobetas. At the time, didn't have a lot of drive-throughs. Um, and so what do you do when people, when there's no drive-through? And so we said, let's improvise a drive-through. Let's figure out how to, how to get our operations set up so that we can have people come up, order online, whatever it is. We run it out to them with a mask on. We hand it through the window and, you know, and they reach out and, you know, take it and get all, you know, brush it, brush it off and do all the things they got to do because they're nervous. But, you know, give them their meal through the window of their car and have kind of a virtual makeshift drive-through in the, in the parking lot. And that's what we ended up doing. Um, we also decided that there was a lot of people that were going through hard times, um, not just us, that needed food. Um, so we created, we partnered with um, Costa Vida and some other brands um, to um, to do some uh, take-home meals so that we had, and then we donated some of the proceeds to be able to, um, you know, give meals to people that needed it uh, because it was hard times. Um, and it was a way for us to, I mean, look, it, it was a way for us to give back. It was also a way for us to uh, help people come out and, you know, say, look, if you can't come, if you don't want to leave your house, let's figure out a way for you to get a meal for your whole family. Um, whether you just drive up and we hand it through the window or whether, you know, you get it delivered through a delivery service, let's figure out how to get you a meal that your whole future whole family. We didn't really have that on our menus set up for like family meals. I mean, we kind of did, but we structured some exactly for, if you have a four person family, here's a great meal for you. And by the way, a portion of that goes to some people over here that need help or a six person meal or whatever that might be really great way for that. So, so we pivoted. Um, I mean, I wish I, I don't have a, I mean, it was COVID. There's not a, um, I wish there was a better story because everybody knows COVID and they're like, yeah, we know about that one. We figured you'd probably say that one, but, um, you know, we've had, um, it was a huge, I mean, you guys had to adjust substantially. Yeah. Well, it I was, also think it's it cool was a, that it you was gave a huge back. Pivot. Yeah. Like that's a cool, that's a cool spin on. Yeah. Yeah. We all had a crazy time, but you guys chose that as a time to like help, uh, you know, cause not all your brands went up by 40%, I'm sure. Yeah. But you still chose that as a time to like give back to the community, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, look, we looked at it and said, uh, the way we look at it is everybody, everybody has to eat. I mean, that's why we were comfortable with this business a lot of ways, because who's not going to eat? Everybody's got to eat. Now you could say they were going to cook from home or something. So they won't go out and eat. To, you know, the trends are not going in that direction. I mean, nobody knows. I don't know if anybody else how to cook anymore. Like, and nobody eats at home very rarely. It's so true. But it seems like it's going more and more towards people are getting their food in outside places and they have to eat. So we looked at it and said, you know, there's people that are not getting the food they need. And, we, you know, we provide food. We should figure out how to give them 
you know, I mean, we could have just kind of thrown cash at the problem, I guess. And some people did, and that's great. But we said, we actually provide food. Let's give food to people that need it because it was a tough time. And you guys remember how it was. It was crazy. And food is so comforting. You and, know, and it's and, so comforting. And right. I'll tell you what, when, I mean, it, it, comforting is the perfect word because you get a, a Mobetta's, you know, you get like the pulled pork and the chicken and the teriyaki sauce and the mac salad. That makes you feel good. I mean, not just like physically, but it just it's mentally kind of like you eat that really hot, good, warm meal and it, it makes you feel good. And the world is okay for a moment, and even it's if okay. we're in the middle it, coat. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I think we really believe that. And that's why we love what we do because whether you're eating it at home by yourself, but you get a nice meal or whether you're sitting around the table with your buddies, your family or whatever it is, like this is a universal human experience that we are able to give to people. It's kind of cool. So if you have a restaurant that say has, you know, a few locations today and is interested in at least starting a conversation with you guys, how do they, how do they reach out? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, they, so we've got a website, they can just reach out and, and just send us an email and we always, you know, we love stuff like that. Um, they can reach out to me personally if they want to look up, I'm on LinkedIn and other places so they could find me anywhere. Um, we have uh, we have a restaurantology event that we do in September coming up here in the next couple months. Um, it's it's a conference that we created for founders. Um, we we pay for the whole thing. It's free. Just come. We you know we have to have people register. But if you want to go check it out, it's I think it's restaurantologysummit.com something like that. But if you Google restaurantology and savory, you'll find it. Uh, but if you're a, if you're a restaurateur, if you're a founder, you've got a handful of locations, even just one location. Go sign up because what we do is we um, we're gonna do it at the Hale Center Theater in um, is it Sandy or yeah the one up in, San, in Salt Lake County Sandy yeah Sandy ish, yeah. Yeah, Sandy -ish. <laughs> um, the Mountain America Tower right yeah there. exactly so we're gonna yeah. do it there um, and it's it's a full day and we have we present we we have people get up on stage and talk about hey uh, what's going on in marketing right now how do you get better at marketing your business. Um, how do I look at, uh, I want to sell my business. What do I, you know, my, my and it's specific to restaurants, right? Like I want to sell my restaurant. What do I, what kind of metrics do I need? Um, how do I do better with operations? How do I hire the right people? Whatever it might be, we put on a full day's worth of this content with our team, along with outside people that we bring in and say, you know, this is, uh, uh, you know, so-and-so in the industry and they're really good at this thing and they come in and talk about it. And then we talk about it and you're mingling with 400 other restaurant professionals that are in the same spot you are. Uh, you know, this isn't the CEO of McDonald's. Uh, if he wants to come, that's great. We'll have him. But um, <laughs> you're welcome, you're, yeah, whoever you are. You're, you're welcome. You can welcome to come. But um, but this is this is this is you know, uh, uh, guys and gals that have five units, one unit, that's ten great. units. That's a and huge they come and yeah. then so they, they even if you just come and don't meet anybody else, you get yeah. to hear content that's really really good for you. Um, but you're also rubbing shoulders with somebody that you're like man, uh, what did you do about this you know, new tax thing that came in or, you know, this dollar increase in, in minimum wage? What are you doing about that? Oh, let me tell you what I did. Oh, cool. I mean, you know, it's, it's that kind of collaboration that's really powerful. Um, and look, we, we put it on for free because we feel like that's a, a way to give back a little bit. We also get to meet a lot of new people, which is, uh, you know, a bonus for us. But um, And it sets you apart as the thought leader. In uh, space, yeah. Right? I mean, and, and when it comes to emerging brands, there's not a lot of people doing what we're doing. Yeah. That's what I think makes us special because there's plenty of people that invest in restaurants. They do it at a much higher level. They put $100 million checks to work, um, which is great. We need that as well. Um, but when you talk about somebody that's got, you know, three or four locations, and their business is worth a million bucks or a couple million bucks. Um, you know, there's not a lot of people doing that. And so we, we take it seriously. That's our responsibility that we're the, the thought leaders in that space and we can help. That's awesome. Yeah. What is your favorite item on any of the menus of any of the restaurants we've just talked about? 
man. You can't make me pick your favorites. Your go-to. I have to. I'm going to make you pick. Can I go Rob. restaurant by restaurant? <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll be here all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, shoot. You, you got to have a go-to, Rob. Come on. Um, so I love I love Crack Shack, but I, I'm going to pick Via because when you go, get the Cadillac. Okay. Okay. It's um, So I told you it's that light, airy focaccia bread with um, they put cheese on top. And this is not a marinara sauce. This is a they put prosciutto and fig jam and they do balsamic glaze on top um, and some gorgonzola cheese. And I'm telling you, it'll blow your mind. It's the best thing you've, you've ever had. I'm going it's there right after good. this. It's the that best thing you'll ever amazing. have in your life. So that, that's, that is my favorite pizza there. Um, now I am mad that you didn't bring it with you. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Right. I know, we'll, we'll, we'll go out and get it sometime, I promise. <laughs> that um, sounds amazing. I mean, so look, I, I love a lot of our, I mean, I love a lot of our brands, so it's hard to pick, but that's probably one of my favorites. Do you ever um, get tired of the food just because you're around it all the time? I mean, um, I'm sure yeah. there's an element of that, right? A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things, we try and stay disciplined, um, you know, just because, it, you know, there may be a certain flavor profile that I don't like uh, if I don't like Indian food or Thai food or something. Uh, if there's a Thai food, Indian food place that's killing it that wants that we want to partner with, even if I hate the food, if everybody else loves it, that's all that matters, of right? Course. Like they're voting yep. with their dollars. Um, but thankfully, everything we've invested in so far and everybody we've partnered with, I, I love their you food. You like the food, good. Uh, it's it's amazing. And that just, it's, it's, a, it's a bonus. Because if you go in and you love the food, it's like, this is great. If I don't love it, but everybody else does, we can still invest. I mean, it's still a good thing. It just may great. not be my cup of tea. So. Rob, this has been fun. Thanks for being with us on the Midnight Founders no, podcast. No, thanks for having today. me. This is, this is really, really cool. So awesome. And uh, just so the audience knows, you are the um, other half to Sabrina, uh, Salt by Sabrina. And yeah, she, she is the, the better show. half. <laughs> she was on a couple, yeah, a few weeks I kept ago. it neutral, but you went there, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, the better yeah. half, and uh, it's been fun to have you both on the show. Yeah, it's been great. It's been fun to watch that journey, and we've been doing it together a little bit. And Awesome. Um, it's fun. Entrepreneurial it's family. That's great. Entrepreneurial family. Hopefully it takes, and my kids, uh, yeah. You'll get the bug too. That'd be fun. That's awesome. Now thanks. we're off to have a midnight snack. That's right. Yeah. Let's go. Dalton, thanks for, uh, Dalton Carson is our producer of the show. Thanks for helping us out. And uh, Rob, it's been great to have you on the show. Take yeah. care. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. See ya. The Midnight Founders podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.